it's very saturated here so there's a lot of like i said there's a lot of production houses here so a lot of work gets like dispersed whereas so it's it's not more relaxed but because you don't have that many shots but you get the budgets are a lot higher here. Mm. so because there's so many production houses they can just keep pushing more work onto different production houses whereas when i was working in south africa your deadline was very tight yeah. and you had to kind of like just work around that yeah. which it's, it's, it, they have their differences they have their perks yeah. hi i'm mark and i'm yaku and welcome back to department spotlight it's the show where you speak to our friends and colleagues about their experiences in the film industry and in this case, it's the British film industry and the South African film industry because we have special guest, Neil. Neil Foster. Neil is a good friend of ours. We studied together at AFTA from 2014 to 2017. Um, and he currently works at the Flying Color Company, which is a company that has done visual effects on films like Nocturnal Animals and shows like Killing Eve, Flowers, and just a ton more things. So we're going to chat to Neil about all of his experiences working for them and just get like a glimpse about, you know, what the British film industry is like. I think it's going to be a very good conversation. So let's get into it. Hey, Neil, welcome to our podcast. What's up, man? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Let's, let's give some context. Obviously, uh, Neil, we were all at AFTA together um, from, what was it, 2014 to like... Yeah, 2014 yeah. to 2017. Yeah, 17, 16, around there. And then since then, obviously, you've abandoned us and went over to the UK. <laughs> I took a little rowboat and just yeah. across. <laughs> exactly. You're doing really great things right now. You're working at the Flying Color Company, which is a really, really awesome post-production house there in London. Uh, the real London, not like East London here in the Free State. <laughs> So um, it's it's very impressive, and we're going to talk chat obviously about what you do, what the, what it's like working for this company, and yeah, yeah just get some insights. Our first question <laughs> is, why did you move to the UK? Slash, why did you abandon us? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the reason I moved to the UK was, um, well, my wife and I were kind of ready to kind of move to the next step in our like careers and just life really we're like we're ready to take that next step so it was like a really good opportunity i think to just move to the uk because there's a lot of production houses here and it's very settled here with the industry so it's you can you can excel yourself a lot further when you come to the uk than having to work remotely from south africa yeah yeah and when you got there mm -hmm. did you immediately find a job or how did that or did you go with a job already or what was that like um, so when I got here, so the production house that I was working for previously for three and a half years in South Africa was Digital Union, which we did a lot of um, outsourcing work from the UK. So we had, we, I had a contact here when I got here, which they do, I think it's, it's a streaming site, it's a football streaming site. Mm -hmm. So I basically came here and I did editing and motion graphics for them for their show, which okay. is cool. how I started here. Cool. And how long did you do that? Um, so I was with them for about, I would say eight to nine months. Okay. And then I kind of just wanted to go more freelance to kind of get more contacts and stuff like that to go into the film industry. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, I just felt that doing streaming and stuff just wasn't like that much <laughs> for me. I just didn't enjoy it as much. Um, but yeah, then I started and then, and then COVID hit. So <laughs> kind yeah. of curveball then yeah. not having lots of contacts <laughs> didn't help, but I did, I did have some work at least during COVID. Okay. It wasn't okay. much of a dry spell. That's good. That's very good. And um, you mentioned your wife. Did she have a job or did you guys just? Uh, yes. So she had a job previously when she, when she got here, she started working for a production house called The Farm in Soho. Okay, cool. Cool. So are you guys yeah. living near Soho now? You... Uh, yeah. So we, we currently live in Camden. Okay. Not too, not too far from Soho. Living in Soho is really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's super so probably, expensive. It's probably like way more expensive than what you used to this side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, awesome. That's no, way different. Okay. So then, um, how did you get the job at the Flying Color Company? Uh, so how I got the job was I applied through LinkedIn, basically. Okay. So it's very different compared to South Africa. Like South Africa, it's more of, or it is kind of here. It's like who you know, but in London, it's very, you need to have a professional LinkedIn page. Otherwise, they kind of just glance over you and just okay. bypass you completely. So, yeah, no, the ad was on LinkedIn. Or oh, they post ads, not, not very regularly, but, like, a lot of companies here post ads on LinkedIn and stuff like that. So you kind of need to be okay. on your A-game to kind of find those jobs and those openings. So LinkedIn actually has, like, a, a purpose yeah. in the UK. LinkedIn has... <laughs> wow, it's not really much of a thing here. Yeah, in the film well, industry, I suppose it's... In, it's, it's a thing, oh, yeah, it's a thing well. here in other industries, but not really the film industry, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, South Africa is like LinkedIn is more business orientated. Mm. I feel like they're not very film orientated. Yeah, yeah, true. So okay, so you started working at this company. What is your what is your title, and why are you Chris Hemsworth uh, on the about page? <laughs> <laughs> so, I am. I'm a data. I'm a, I'm in data and editorial. So, more of a explanation of that. I basically do the conforming so i take the transcoded footage and the proxies and turn them and then link them to the high-res footage okay and from that we basically would we'll pull plates from that so we we work in internally in acscg exrs just because it's easier for flame to read that file system okay and basically when we give it to the client we ask them what they want so sometimes clients will want dpxs it's just it's a higher res like format that we can mm. give out instead of yeah. just giving them back MOVs because they're not that yeah. easy and like moldable. Yeah, goes yeah. back to great. Yeah, and obviously the Flying Color Company does a lot of VFX. So it's mo it's it's actually just VFX just that we do at the Flying Color Company. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And let's talk about the the really cool things that the company has worked on. Obviously, I, I think this was before you were there, but like Nocturnal Animals, Killing Eve. Yeah, flowers. blinders. Flowers is one of my favorite series ever. Flowers. flowers. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's really impressive. And then since you've worked there, obviously, can you tell us some of the things? Obviously, some of it's uh, hush hush because you're still working on it. But maybe some of the stuff that's a lot already, of it hush hush. <laughs> all of it. But maybe some of the stuff that's already aired, you can just let it tell us about. Uh, yeah. So recently, we had a job that came in, which was sex education. We needed to kind of just like do some cleanups and stuff from, I think it was from an external company that just got us to do some extra plates for them that we helped just clean up their plates. So that it was just, I think there was just too much work on their side, which was, which was actually a lot of fun to work on. I mm. personally haven't watched any sex education, but it looks like <laughs> a really good show. <laughs> I mean, I, I was literally the other day, 
uh, or season three came out like a week ago when we were recording this, and I mm. watched it all in one day. Just like. Yeah, same. <laughs> I watched it all in one night. Yeah. So what goes into doing like play cleanup? Like, what was the specifics of that? Obviously, as much as you can um, tell. So- so I personally don't do plate cleanups. So there are artists that, so I just do the pulling of the plates and like do the color pipeline and stuff for them. So plate cleanup is basically sometimes we have shows that we work on where it's set in a different time period. So we would have to remove lamp posts or electrical sockets. It's just stuff that you don't see during production that they just kind of need to clean up or there's a show that we're working on currently where the guy's hair was too long, so it didn't match the previous scene. Okay. So one of our artists <laughs> had to cut this man's hair just so that it would look what? short and normal. What? That... No, some of the things we work on is crazy. It's it's a lot of fun to actually see like the process of how this goes. Yeah, and it's obviously a lot of big budget um, stuff. Yeah. Would you would you say you you guys do a lot of work for Netflix or what is sort of your main? Uh, or um, like a lot of so our main client is so we don't work directly with Netflix we work through like we're we're part of the chain mm. so usually Netflix goes through another client or like a so kind of what Giller does like post-producing mm. and stuff like that where it goes through that company and then they kind of like shuffle the cards around to see who, which production houses do which graphics and all that okay so it's kind of it's like a broad thing it's not really like Netflix just comes yeah, to us yeah, and yeah. says, cool, you need all this. Yeah. Because I think my company would explode if <laughs> Netflix was just like, hey, kill hey, all, all these shots. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's so cool. That's very, very cool. Um, I just wanted to ask, before I forget, um, it's not one of the questions here, but what is the, just for me personally, I've always wanted to know the specifics of um, the pipeline of, you, you mentioned um, color and VFX, right? How... How do those two work together? Because it seems like a very intricate thing um, in terms of like, I've always been thinking like there's a grader, there's like a main grader who doesn't work at your company, but then you need to do visual effects um, and clean up plates. But then, you know, obviously if you sort of add stuff or take stuff away, that stuff needs to sort of like match the shot and then needs to work back in there pipeline so how does that how does that process work (laughs) would you like to go like deep in depth yes (laughs) well as much as you can i i I think it's a yeah um i've been looking up 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 a lot on online about it and there's like not much so so how how it usually works is when so let's say the 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 pre-production and production goes on to set they they will shoot the stuff with either depends like most of the cameras that we get from our ARRI or Sony or sometimes RED. Rarely we get the Phantom cameras, but it's mostly just the RED, Sony and ARRI. And productions usually have a LUT that they will put on. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna explain the LUT, like the lookup yeah, tables yeah, yeah. basically. They just, that's just the show LUT that they have. And each individual shot, because we get an EDL from the, from the editors. So the editors send us an EDL on the stuff that they've kind of roughly graded within editing. Mm-hmm. So in Flame, because it's, it's, an, it's a node-based software, like the artist will get the plate, which is like the ACCG, and then they do all their work. And at the end of the color pipeline, we basically would have three nodes. So we'll have 
a color management node, which would then just transfer it back from HCG color space to the camera color space. So if it was, let's say, the ARRI color space or the Sony, so it would either go log C, S log, or the red. Mm -hmm. So it's either those three, like, color managements, just so it kind of matches back to that. Because okay. if you put a Sony LUT onto an ARRI, it just looks completely yeah, wrong. So you would link it back from HCG to the Sony, and then you would attach... From the EDL, we will pull something that we call a CDL, which is basically just like, just a, it's just a color look, which will just give it the right information so that it looks exactly like the editor kind of tweaked in edit. Okay. And then we put the show LUT on. And then basically that will match what the editor did. And then when it goes to grade, we give them a completely clean plate again. So it will look as it would if, if it was just a raw shot. So they would be working off something completely exactly. clean again. That they can then regrade to make it look how they want it to look. Yeah. So it's like it's a whole. Yeah, it's like a, a workflow. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So it's a whole like snake that it needs to go through to get to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, at some advanced techniques here um, on the on the department spotlight podcast. <laughs> so what would you say is sort of like the difference between the UK film industry and the South African film industry? Um. It's very saturated here. So there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of production houses here. So a lot of work gets like dispersed, whereas, so it's, it's not more relaxed, but because you don't have that many shots, but you get, the budgets are a lot higher here. Mm. So because there's so many production houses, they can just keep pushing more work onto different production houses. Whereas when I was working in South Africa, your deadline was very tight. Yeah. And you had to kind of like just work around that. Yeah. Which it's, so it's, it, they have their differences. They have their perks. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's <laughs> so you have, fun on, it's fun on both sides. So you have like uh, a lot more time, uh, you would say, over there. No. Okay. What, what, <laughs> can you tell us like sort of how, how long the, the process or what the, how long the deadlines are? Um, so it depends on the turnover for the shots. Mm -hmm. So with the show that's on all five at the moment, which is all creatures great and small, it's, once a month we would get a new episode turned over from the editor okay. so as so it's kind of just keeping the pipeline moving mm -hmm. so once we get episode one we'll work on that and then the editor starts cutting it too mm -hmm. and then if one goes out and then we get it too so it kind of it just never like slows never down stops. Just continues. <laughs> it just continuously moves okay cool cool so let's talk about the, the job that you're doing now right and the position that you got there uh would you say that coming to film school helped you with that or if you didn't go to film school would you still have gotten the same job uh i i'm, I'm gonna say not at all um it didn't help me or prepare me in like it and after we learned like a broad spectrum of what you should know mm -hmm. so like a lot of and the, the problem that i found from after to when i'm now i'm working in the uk is the software that i'm working on is completely different mm -hmm. Like, I don't think After would teach us Flame or Nuke. We actually... Like, at all. We actually did do Nuke um, VFX. Oh, did you yeah, guys do Nuke? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't do VFX. Yeah. <laughs> you did editing. Yeah, yeah. No, we did do I did editing. So. Yeah. so we did the proxies and, like, exploit, like transcoding the footage and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it gave me, like, a broad, like, understanding of what I need to know. Mm -hmm. But the software that you use in South Africa is completely different to what the software that you would use here. Yeah. And... It's just, you kind of just need to, like, even when I left after for the first company that I worked for, I 
like was self-taught i taught myself like after effects and stuff like that so that i could just learn and just kind of move forward in that company and just mm-hmm. progress to kind of just get better yeah. at what i do and did they and these companies didn't even ask for your degree or um digital union that i worked at in south africa no and london not at all mm. like they just asked for my cv they asked for what, what okay what i knew interesting <laughs> yeah that's kind of the same here to be honest yeah. not really not really cares about where you've studied as long <laughs> yeah. as you've got a list of things that you've done suppose, yeah. Yeah. okay cool so do you regret going to film school i don't i don't regret going to film school um it did it did teach me a lot like i did learn a lot about the different um like pipelines and like pre-production post-production and actually just going on set and stuff like that mm. it, it did teach me a lot because like i understand like if the editor says to me now oh no like this is just going to take some time i have to do this and this and this i do understand that i'm not that pressing on them mm. to kind of harass them because i understand what they're going through and what's happening yeah so it does it does help like it's not it's not a complete waste because then i'm sure my mother would kill me if i just said oh no mommy west all your money sitting in school yeah <laughs> but it was like the connections that especially if you if i was staying in south africa the connections that i made at after are good because the people there would be working in the industry that yeah. i'm working in so yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is very helpful i would say if you stay within that community mm. yeah like i mean our so it has company, a, sorry our, our company is obviously we're all after students um and we actually work with a lot of after students as well because that's, that's the people that we know um, but uh, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it makes sense. Like even us talking now, we met at after. Um, so I, I guess they're just coming back to what we always say, it's just connections um, that you make yeah. at film school. Your, um, your job in South Africa at, was a digital union. Um, yeah. Did you... So how did you say you got that job again? Was it through a connection that you knew someone from after or yeah. what was that? Okay. Uh, it wasn't from after. It was a, it was a family friend that does location scouting for films. Okay. And they kind of got me in touch with the, my boss at the time's wife. And she just said to me, she's like, I'm not going to give you a job for six months. I go to this company over. And then, <laughs> and then from there, I just kind of got the job there and just worked there for oh, three and a half years. Interesting. <laughs> Okay, cool. So let's let's talk about more like generally. How do you uh, like? Isn't it cool getting these like this footage from shows that nobody's seen yet, and you're like, oh, this is interesting, or like, what does it feel like just working at uh, on these shows? It's very exciting. It's also um, quite annoying when you work on shows that you watch. Because <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there, like, <laughs> oh man, because like I watch a lot of the shows that I work on without audio because I'm just putting plates and stuff. And occasionally I have to cut like mini cuts for the director to kind of see the visual effects shots in sequence so that it doesn't, they can't just look at one shot and be like, Oh, that looks fine. And then you watch it in sequence. Yeah. And it's like, that looks completely wrong. <laughs> True. Okay. So it's, it's, it's good fun though. Like it's, it, it makes me feel good. Like it's like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I know I'm working on this really big show. Cause like, one day, eventually, like I want to like have my name running down the credits. Yeah, and just show like oh, I yeah, know I worked on that. Look <laughs> at my name. No, with the company that I work for, it's the company's name, the production house that gets the credit. Gets put as the they did the main visual effects okay. for the show. Okay, which 
which still makes me feel good. Yeah, I mean, still, if you if you are talking to your friends or you meet someone, you're like, oh yeah, I worked on this show and this show. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's probably a really cool conversation starter. What was the most um, complex like shot or sequence that you guys have worked on? Um, you don't. I mean, obviously, while you're there, or maybe you heard stories, or you don't have to go into specifics yeah. about like what the actual name of the thing was, but like, what 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 was like the most mammoth task? The most mammoth task that we have at the moment for a show is there's a lady rowing, yeah, but she's rowing on blue screen. Okay. And they need to add that onto the water, and they need to add the <laughs> rowing water, and it's and it's just and you just sit there, and you're like. You could have just put just her in put water. Her in the water. Just fine. Just <laughs> casually rowing down that lake. That's great. Is it like the that scene in uh, what's it, the Social Network where they like replacing? Mm. Wait, are you guys are you guys like placing her on the, a background, or are you just like compositing a face onto something else that they shot? Oh no, we're placing on the background. Oh damn! <laughs> but we also there's also a shot where this lady is falling. Okay. But they didn't like the way that her face looked, so they replaced her face. <laughs> so she has a different reaction <laughs> that's wild that's crazy and then do you guys have any input um like if you if somebody's like okay we well, have the shot and it needs to do this thing and then you're like okay but then we need to shoot that thing or do they just give you the assets and like do the thing so we have so they have one of the head artists like the head visual effects people would go on to second okay. kind of give the client a brief of saying cool we can do that if we do that mm. and then they're kind of just nudge them in the right direction to how to shoot it so that they don't just yeah. throw us a curveball yeah. and be like, hey, just do that for us, thanks. Just <laughs> replace the face, but we didn't shoot another face. Yeah. <laughs> how how does a decision like that, uh, like, do they come to you directly? Like, does the client come to you directly and then they view it and then you make the decision there? Or is it like a decision that's made and then it goes like through the pipeline and then you guys get stuck with like, oh, they want... <laughs> A whole new face or a whole new... <laughs> how does that one decision affect like the entire pipeline so we've got um so there's usually like we've got three head visual effects artists and then there is the head one of the heads of the company would go on to set and kind of say because he's worked on a lot of big shows and lots of um, movies so he has like a broad understanding of what's possible and what's not possible because he's worked on flame as well so mm. he's not he, okay. he, he would understand if it's possible like he could do it or not yeah and yeah, and the visual effects artists would just go on to set and be like, oh no, if you shoot it like this, we can kind of just do that mm -hmm. and we can add this. Like there's a show that we have that because there was a car park behind the show, they had to basically put a blue screen and stuff like that so that we could just comp in like the mountains in the background because they didn't, because the car park wasn't in that day and age. So okay. it would be wrong. Okay. So yeah, if the artists are there to kind of just give their knowledge and understanding of it, they mm -hmm. kind of just help the director. Yeah. And the directors are very understanding here. Of, like they tell you their vision and they'd be like, cool, we can execute this vision if we just do a little bit to the side. Mm -hmm. So you guys are included in post-production, I mean pre-production as well? No. No. Well, kind of. Okay. But like well, they go on to set yeah, on production, so, not pre-production. So it's not like decided before they go on set. No. So just go on they set. Don't, they don't they plan before. So Interesting. I think the directors and the writers would kind of plan what shots they want mm -hmm. and then on set when the visual effects artist comes on they'll tell them if it's possible or not okay interesting or if they just need to try and shoot it on day and be like <laughs> that's not going to be possible you just need to shoot, <laughs> shoot something else <laughs> oh okay and then they just schedule it for another day 
Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'd never thought. I was like, obviously they're in, in pre-production. <laughs> so pre-production, I think we don't really go into pre-production. It's mostly just the post-production that we deal with. So I think they probably do have like a visual effects person not from our company, but that would be like, oh no, we could do this, we can do this. Mm. And it's just, it's all like mostly compositing and stuff like that. So it's not, it's not hard stuff because yeah. they have special effects like yeah. on set as well. So they kind of just incorporated one another and cleaning up and all that. So yeah. everything is possible. It's not like we're doing Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No, that's cool. I mean, a show like Sex Education, yeah, a show like Sex I can't say it. Sex Education. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it's not a show where there are where there is like a bunch of explosions or that much, and it's and it's. I'm I'm sure like if if we actually like if you point out all of the VFX shots, we'd be like, why? <laughs> but it's it's yeah no. It's, there's a lot that goes it's into like, it. It's, eh? Yeah, so basically, for Sex Education was. Um, just crowd, um, just making the crowd bigger and stuff okay. like that. So it's just basically, they didn't shoot that many people, so they just need to kind of just make the crowd a larger crowd inside the, the hall that they were in. So it was just it's just adding stuff okay. and like removing little things that you need to kind of just make the story better. That makes so, a lot of sense. On a show that is not VFX, like VFX heavy, you know, I mean with mm. like obvious CG, per episode, how many shots... Uh, of VFX, actually. <laughs> so, the one show we're working on, which is not very heavy VFX, which is, I think, no, Creatures is quite big. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of shows have a lot more visual effects than you know. Mm. Like, I would say most shows have about 60 shots per episode. Okay. That are visual effects. That's crazy. And then you, you mentioned the editors give you like the EDL. Um, is that like a locked mm. cut or are they still like tweaking here and there? So sometimes they give us an EDL from like a segment of the cut. Oh, so okay. they kind of give us like, they'll turn over 16 turnovers, but that turnover will be the first episode. But they'll only give us like four or five shots within that turnover. Okay. And most, and then we do get the whole cut as well, where we get the EDL and then we just kind of cut it up into the whole visual effect shots. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sometimes it's drops and drabs. Like the one show that I'm working on, they just give us like an episode with one EDL. So it all depends on the client, really, yeah. how they want to give us yeah. the things. I was just thinking, because like, um, even on the like shorts that we do, if there's like a VFX shot, and then later on change the edits, and then, oh, okay, now I have to go back and export a couple of more frames, a couple less frames or whatever. Um, so yeah, I was wondering about that. It's, makes sense. <laughs> do you guys ever go back on, on shots? Like do second versions or, or do you, uh, once you so deliver our, it's our, our shots go through like versioning periods. So I think most of the time we, so like we do version ups, the client sees it and they get feedback mm -hmm. and then we kind of just go up on the versions. Mm -hmm. But if a client resupplies something, then that version would change entirely. Oh, yeah. So it all depends on, but most of the time, like it's a, like when we get the shots, it's when the, the edit is locked. Okay. So we won't really have big, massive tweaks. Yeah. The shot would be the shot, but we would either they would extend it or shorten it, but we give them the whole length that we got given. Mm. Okay. Unless they change it, which is rare. Okay. Now that makes sense. Yeah. Because I mean, short costs a lot of money per shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not part of that department, but I know it is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's like in the budget, just. VFX, a lot. <laughs> yeah.
I love just a big red line and yeah. no. If, if someone is going into making a short or anything, TV show, anything, uh, film, what, what are some recommendations you'd give for planning for visual effects? For planning for visual effects? Well, as we did in after, like with your whole storyboards and stuff like that, you have to have something in your head before you just go into sets like as a director and as a writer you need to kind of understand what you're writing before you just get onto set and be like cool well i need to have this and then everyone's gonna tell you no that's not possible because like you kind of have an understanding within your own head even if you don't do visual effects of what's possible mm. like you you can't just assume like because if you had to be brand new and be like okay cool well i need to like do all of this and if you can't do it in your head then of course like the visual effects artist is not going to be able to do it mm. so it's just planning ahead like you in your head would understand that you need to just do certain things to make it more not easier but just like helping the pipeline move along when the visual effects actually needs to do their part mm. so yeah so it's mostly just planning i would say yeah. if like if you were writing a short film just to get it lacking corporate visual effects, you just need to plan yeah. <laughs> either with the visual effects or just have an understanding of what you want. Yeah, I guess you could do tests as well. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys, um, the, the, the plates that you do, right? You, we obviously talk, spoke about, you know, putting, replacing blue screens and all that stuff. Do you ever like do simple things like removing cables or stuff yeah. that's like, it's like, why didn't you just fix it? Like simple things. Like obviously we spoke about not just put her in the water, but like things like cables or so we have a, a show at the moment because it's set in I think the 1960s or 1950s. There's a lady that she walks, she comes walking down the stairs and she turns the corner. And I was watching it with the um with one of the heads of our company, and I was like, what did they change? They're like, oh no, they just need to move the light switch. <laughs> and I was like, but couldn't they have just like Cut. on set remove that they're like oh no they forgot about it and i was like dude <laughs> it's like that it's this little box this big on the wall and then the producer's like a lot of money <laughs> to, yeah. to remove the light switch but those shots are usually not they're not that expensive but the thing is because it needs to be tracked and everything yeah. like that that takes it's about i would say like a two hour shot a three hour shot because you need to track it and everything like yeah. that paint it out make it look like the wall like little things a lot of work still goes into it because you have to track the object that you're removing even if it's like on all creatures they were sitting on the roof but because the the artist didn't feel safe they had um, a harness on them mm -hmm. So we had to, so the artist had to paint out the harness on the lady so that she was just sitting on the roof. Okay. Is a shot like that so is like, just a normal harness or do they put like a green harness or is it like... Just a normal harness. All right. And then yeah, they just... That's like usually like, I think it's like a thin harness that they put around the waist and then kind of just paint that on. Mm -hmm. Okay. VFX, man. It's, it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do, does this company do much 3D work? Uh, so we have got, I think we've got two or three visual effects that do like 3D and modeling and stuff like that. So it, it depends on the show. So they, they do flame, but they mostly work in Maya. So if they need, if we need to, like the one show we have, because Big Ben at the, at the moment is just ha has scaffolding and stuff around it. So 
the show wants Big Ben, so we had to render Big Ben and, put, <laughs> and track Big Ben to the building. Do they still go shoot those shots um, with with the scaffolding, um, or do you guys just completely? Yeah. Okay. Okay. They go shoot the shot with the scaffolding, but the building that we were shooting wasn't any Parliament building, but we made it look like a Parliament building. Nice. Because, yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't think you're allowed to shoot inside Parliament. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you just like get one of those. Um, What's it? Facebook, uh, Facebook oh, glasses. Google glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just recording for like 15 seconds at a time. That's <laughs> no, it's it's good fun. Like it depends on like as you guys have seen on like at varsity and stuff like that. If you need to shoot something, you can always trick the audience into thinking other things. So if you can kind of dress the set to how you want it to look, and then add this little thing in the distance, it would look real because you kind of tricking them and you've done your set build and stuff like that to make it look that like that would be in the background. Mm. So it's, it's, it's just manipulating really. So when we do 3D, it's not like big gargoyles and stuff like that flying around, but it's like the little things. Like there's a show we're working on where the, the girl throws, a, it's like a bookend. It's a gargoyle bookend, mm -hmm. but because you can't endanger your artist, it's a green pillow. Okay. But then the 3D artist had to 3D like a little bookend. So it's, it's, Okay. It depends on what you need, really, in three D. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything that you want to ask us? I don't. I don't know. I mean, you, you, the, you're the more interesting person. I feel like we're not really anything. Never say that <laughs> because it's the grind never stops. Like you need to always like work hard and like what we spoke about the other day. You guys are working hard as long as you're working and not just like kind of oh, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. If you're working and actually putting your like your talents to the grind you're good because like you guys are busy doing a lot of like short films and stuff like that you're shooting ads it's always like you're still working hard and you kind of bringing up the south african industry which is good which is what we need mm. i know i like you said abandoned you but <laughs> <laughs> as long as as long as you're keeping it like there's a lot of good work in South Africa and there's a lot of good work that comes out of South Africa. So as long as you're keeping yourself busy and you're actually bettering yourself, because that, that's how I came to the UK. I, I bettered myself and I just kind of taught myself new things, mm. which is what you guys do. Mm. Like when I watch your guys' YouTube, listen to the podcast, you guys are bettering yourselves. Thanks. So yeah, as long as you're moving Thanks. forward, it's good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's all you got to do. So, okay. So then last thing, I think, what would you tell somebody or say what would you tell young neil at 18 years old before, before after uh graduating matric before coming to after what would you tell him and and other people oh, like you at that stage i would say like when when you kind of want to like go into something that you want to do always go in as an empty cup never go in as a half full cup because if you go as a half full cup because you need to kind of take in all the knowledge you can from people that know a lot more than you because and also if they're willing to teach you you can learn a lot which is what i had when i went to digital union i learned a lot from my seniors they just knew a lot and they just taught me a lot about the industry and like the software that they use so i don't know like just never stop pushing yourself and stop like learning new things it's always good to learn new things and like put yourself out of your comfort zone so that you actually learn and better yourself. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I would tell myself. Just keep bettering yourself. There's always something new you could learn. Yeah. Well, that's really inspiring. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, 
I'm inspired. I, I want to go. I want to go empty myself and learn more things. <laughs> Just go to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Start again. Well, thank you so much, Neil. This is an awesome, awesome conversation. Thanks, man. And thank you for bringing your knowledge. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of questions that we wanted to ask, but we couldn't because obviously you are bound by contracts and so on. <laughs> But thank you so much for taking the time and um, speaking to us and sharing some of the really interesting work that you're doing over there. Hopefully next time we can come to you. Me and Mark actually got our second vax um, yesterday. So if the UK stops the <laughs> the South Africa ban, maybe we can come visit and then we can do like a live podcast. That would be that would be cool. Yeah, no, I'd be keen. It'd be lots of fun. I think. Amazing. It'd be good fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and then awesome. we'll see you next time. Cool, see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers, man. And that's it for our conversation with Neil. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a wonderful chat. We miss you lots. You abandoned us. We'll never forgive you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, just all of the emotions just suddenly came out there. <laughs> uh, it's really great that you're doing so well. Uh, we just filled with so much joy for you. Uh, we're so proud of you. It's amazing. And thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to see the video version, head on over to youtube.com slash pictures. And while you're there, you can just browse the channel. We've got a lot of videos on editing, writing, a couple of camera reviews. So go check it out. I'm sure you'll like something. But until next time, go out there, stay safe, and make, make your movies. movies.